Welcome back, guys. This is Dark, Dangerous, and Deadly. I'm your host, Bridget M. Okay, so this week is probably going to be a three-part series um, because there was a lot to uncover um, with this story. So we're going to break it up and, I mean, it's a good one. It's a good one. So this week, we're going to cover David Parker Ray. And you may know him as the Toy Box Killer. David Parker Ray was born on November 6th in 1939 in Bellin, New Mexico. He was raised by an abusive grandfather, uh, but he would occasionally see his real father. Uh, he had a sister, but they were separated once their grandmother died. Could be something about not having a woman in the house, maybe. Now, they don't really specify where his mother is, but I'm guessing that she's off just kind of doing her own thing because they don't mention that she's dead. Uh, so I, I'm assuming that she's just kind of, she just kind of dropped the kids off at the grandparents and that was it. So David's grandfather would abuse him. Um, they don't really go into detail, like... You know, if he was like maybe an alcoholic or something like that, you know, usually there's usually some type of substance, um, well, like the patterns that we have seen, but they don't mention anything like that. No details on the grandfather. They just say that he was very abusive to David. So David started keeping journals. I'm assuming it was probably a way for him to cope, you know, to be able to uh, deal with the horrible life that he was living uh, so his father, like I said, would occasionally come visit. Um, but it wasn't like one of those regular kinds of visits, I guess. He would visit David and it was just kind of like, he would just show up, like make his presence, you know, and drop off magazines. Now these magazines were porn magazines, but not like the vanilla kind, you know, these were like extreme. I don't even want to say BDSM because it was just on a whole nother level. Like this was like sexual sadism. I think that's what they called it. Um, so apparently these magazines were like, they were a bunch of craziness. So these magazines showed him not just tying up or you know any kind of like rough type of play this was like people like women being really hurt and bleeding and mixed around with sex I mean whatever your thing is that's your thing like I don't no one's judging um but for a child to see it I think it's a little bit different and I think there's just certain things that Maybe we should learn as an adult and not as a child, um, but I, that's just my opinion. So this is the real, I mean, the first real source of information that he has pertaining to sex. So this is obviously going to twist his mind a little bit and uh, make him perceive sex in a completely different way. Um, so with the constant violence uh, that he was exposed to, this would lead uh, David to needing violence 
in order to get off. I mean, TMI, I guess, but just a warning, which is probably what I should have done in the beginning. <laughs> um, but I'm going to get very descriptive and every ounce of information that I know you're going to know. This episode is going to cover a lot of sex and violence, rape, murder. It's all mixed in here and I'm not holding anything back. So if you decide to leave right now, I get it. Um, but if you stay, I mean, you know, that was your choice. Okay. On with the story. So, okay, so David needed violence in order to get off. And I think this is the reason that he was, like, shy around girls. He used to, like, get made fun of for being shy. Uh, he was really awkward around girls. And um, and I guess that's why, like, you know, he would get picked on. I mean, you know, you're when you get, like, a certain age, people just kind of... I guess, feel like, you know, you hit a certain age and it's like, okay, well, you know, are you dating or, you know, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? You know, we've all, we've all been asked that stupid question before. Um, but with him, he wasn't dating anyone. He was just kind of like really to himself. And I think that's because he, maybe he didn't want to hurt people, but he knew that that was the only way that he would get any type of pleasure. So he just was kind of like, you know, very quiet, very inward, very to himself. Um, as a teenager, he began to abuse drugs and alcohol. Um, but then as he became an adult, he joined the military. So this could have been a way for him to attempt to turn his life around. Uh, he did well in the military and he was able to get a dishonorable, um, he was able to get an honorable discharge. So that's good. Uh, after that, he went on to be a mechanic and like a park ranger. They mentioned this, and I don't know if he was doing both of them at the same time, or maybe he was a mechanic and then became a park ranger. Um, but I know they're definitely not the same thing. So sorry, I know you can hear my cat crying. She's trying to get in the room. <laughs> I apologize. She's going to keep crying for a while. So he becomes a park ranger at a state park located in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Now, yes, that is the real name of the town. The town was named after a radio show. So basically, I mean, I, I didn't even look at when this happened. I'm assuming it was a while ago. Um, so a radio show, I guess that was popular in the town. The radio show's name was Truth or Consequences. And they had like, um, I don't know, like a contest, I guess. And they basically said like, whatever town would name their, you know, rename their town as the name of the radio station the radio station would then go there and like do like a, a taping in that town. So this town was like, sure. And then they renamed themselves after the radio show, which is to truth or consequences. 
So Truth or Consequences State Park is where David Parker Ray is, you know, he's, that's where he works as a park ranger. And, um, this is where he meets Cindy Hendy. Now, if that's not a hick name, but so Cindy was, uh, also a product of a very rough childhood. Her mom was in beauty pageants and this like consumed her life. Like that's all she cared about was being in beauty pageants she didn't really care very much about Cindy. So Cindy was just kind of pushed aside. And um, so, you know, she's neglected. And to top it off, the mom's boyfriend starts molesting Cindy. Now, get this. So Cindy finally gets up the courage to tell her mom, uh, you know, that the boyfriend has been molesting her. And the mom kicks her out of the house like what the fuck you kicked your daughter out because your boyfriend your wonderful taste in a man was molesting her i mean that's really really great parenting right there you know choose the boyfriend over the kid so cindy was 12 she started to sell drugs so that she could make a living you know and then she wound up doing drugs as well. Eventually, she would land herself in jail a few times. And the, one of the last times um, would bring her to start doing community service. Okay. Uh, side note, I apologize for all of the meowing. I had to let my cat in. Okay, so she, uh, Cindy starts doing community service, right? And where is she doing community service? She's doing it at the same state park where David Parker Ray was working. So this is when they meet and she falls in love. She moves in with David just like eight months that, you know, they've been dating eight months later. And, um, Soon she becomes his accomplice. Now, March 22nd, 1999, at 3 p.m., 911 receives a call. Now, nobody is speaking, but the dispatcher can hear what sounds like a fight or something. Like, they hear, like, a bunch of, like, movement and banging and stuff. Um, soon the call ends, so the dispatcher calls back, and a woman answers, she sounds really angry and out of breath. And she said that everything was fine and that she had accident accidentally dialed 911. But then she hung like she hangs up really fast. So the dispatcher was not buying it. She like she just felt like there was something going on. So she winds up calling the police and she tells them that she wants a welfare check done. <clears throat> so at 513 Bass Road, Elephant Butte, New Mexico, is where Deputy David Olson was sent for the welfare check. Now, the house is in really close proximity to, like, one of the largest deserts and man-made lakes. Uh, really, like, a perfect place to get rid of a body, you know? 
Okay, so while the deputy is on his way, two park rangers overhear the call on the police scanner and figured they would go, you know, go take a look as well. As they approached, a woman is like waving them down to tell them that she spotted a woman running down the street. She was like, you know, um, she was described as like being completely naked. She's covered in blood and she has like some like metal like thing around her neck with like a long chain attached to it. Uh, so the park rangers tell her like, okay, stay put. We'll be, you know, we're going to go and check out something else, but the police are on their way. So when you see the cops, you know, you can just flag them down. Now, this, like, kind of baffles me because why? Like, why wouldn't you go after the naked woman that is running down the street that's all bloody and has chains on her? Why would you continue to an address to do a welfare check? Me, personally, I think I probably would have been like, okay, we're going to go check that out. And, you know, maybe call the cops and let them know you're going to find out what's going on, you know, with this naked, bloody lady that's running down the street in chains. But, okay, well, they didn't. So they go to the the address for the welfare check. And uh, so when they get there, it's a real shithole. Everything is just dilapidated. It's just garbage and crap everywhere. Like boat parts and car parts and like a truck's trailer just on the property. Like it was just gross. Like like a junkyard. So now as the troopers are like looking around the property, they're trying to get someone to open the door. Like they're knocking on the door and no one's coming. So while this is going on, they're like, you know, on the property. <coughs> 911, oh, I'm sorry, 911. 911 gets another call that a naked lady was spotted running down another street. So, this is when Deputy Olson finally makes his appearance, and the park rangers give him like a rundown of what is going on, and that, you know, nobody's answering the door here. There's been like two calls already of some naked, bloody lady, you know, running down the street in chains. Then, while they're giving him the rundown, the sheriff's department winds up showing up. And now, all collectively, they're like, you know what? Let's, we'll just, we're all going to work together and scan the entire property. And the sheriff's department was like, no, we're going in the house. Because we're trying to do a welfare check. And, you know, we have probable cause. Because a 911 call came from inside the home. So... When they went in, they noticed that there was, like, dark covers all over the windows. The house was a mess. Now, they say that it was, there was signs of a possible struggle. There was, like, a random bed in the living room with chains and locks at each corners to keep someone completely, like, spread eagle. You know, like, they wouldn't be able to move. Um, there was bloodstains all over the bed. Next to the bed was a broken lamp with glass everywhere and a bloody ice pick. The bed had like a pulley system above it and like a makeshift coffin that was opened 
and had like restraints inside of it. So that's normal, you know? Everyone has a coffin with restraints. <laughs> so the sight of this prompted them to start investigating the house a little bit more thoroughly. So they start looking into everything that is there. Uh, they discovered like a, a board. Now, uh, they a, a few like articles described it as a cork board. But from the pictures that I've seen, it doesn't really look like a cork board. It looks like one of those boards that you put like um, in your garage that you can like hang tools on. It looks kind of like that. I'm going to be posting pictures to the Facebook. And side note, I am working on a YouTube channel as well. And I will be making a video that goes along with this. So just, you know, you got to just sit tight. Wait for that. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like something like that. And hanging on this, like, board, there are tools, I guess. Um, there's, like, a bunch of sex toys. But the sex toys are, like, made. Like, by whoever lives there. Like, these are DIY sex toys. Bet you won't find that on Pinterest. So, as they continue through the house, they find a bedroom with another bed that has chains above it. With more shackles and such. There was a dresser in there that had, like, tools. Like, actual tools that you would use to, like, do stuff around the house. And sex toys. There was also extreme BDSM porn pictures and drawings on the walls. So, at this moment, while they're looking at all this lovely stuff, uh, another 911 call comes in. And it's an elderly woman stating that a woman is in her house and that uh, the woman was saying that she was held captive and that she was raped <clears throat> repeatedly. And she describes this lady as being naked, bloody, with a big chain around her neck. Sound familiar? So the police immediately go over to the elderly woman's house and are met with a little elderly man waving them down. <clears throat> the man tells police that, you know, they, he tells them what's going on. And that she had asked him to remove the chain that was on her neck. But he he didn't want to touch it. Because um, I guess he wanted the cops to see it first. And like he didn't want to ruin any like evidence or anything that may be on it. So he just kind of like left it there. But he did give her like a little robe to wear. Because obviously she was completely naked. So now... The old man and the cop, you know, they're talking. While they're talking about all of this, this woman comes running out of the house, screaming to the officer, please don't let them get me. Um, they find out that her name is Cynthia V. Hill. She was 22 years old. She was kidnapped by David and Cindy. They beat her and raped her repeatedly. She told the officer that she didn't know the address but she knew their faces and names and that David 
was also an officer. We'll return to the story in just a second. Let's just take a moment to listen to a word from our sponsor. Now, I'm assuming that she probably thought that David was a police officer because she probably saw him in his ranger, you know, his park ranger uniform. Uh, It likely resembled uh, a police officer uniform. But also because he had pretended to be a cop when he abducted her. See, Cynthia was a prostitute and on drugs. So David had spotted her and had a man that Cynthia had knew, um, that she had known rather, um, approach her to say that David was interested uh, in her services. When he got her in the car, uh, he posed as a cop saying that it was a sting and she was going to go to jail. Um, But I'll go into more detail of that later. So now as the As the police are speaking to Cynthia, another park ranger is finishing his shift and decides to swing by the the house of the 911 call to see how things are going. As he does, he sees his co-worker, David, and his girlfriend, Cindy. They're driving in the opposite direction. So he just does a quick wave at them and, you know, they both continue on their way. So when he gets to the address, he realizes that that's actually David Parker Ray's address. And now he's like, oh shit, I just saw them, you know? So he like calls, uh, calls the police, lets them know like where they're going. Um, they were quickly found and apprehended. So Cindy had to go to the hospital because she was bleeding profusely from a wound on her neck. David was brought to like a training center to hold him for like the time being while they called the state police for help. It was a small town and apparently they didn't have the necessary resources in dealing with a case of this magnitude. So state police wanted to speak to Cynthia first. She was at the hospital, uh, and they, like, uh, I guess they, like, had her, like, under surveillance or something, you know? And she just kept saying to herself, like, I'm safe here. Um, and that's, that's really sad. I can't even imagine, like, what a traumatic experience that must have been for her and for her to just be, like, sitting there. And just speaking to herself, like, reassuring herself that she's finally safe. That's, that, like, really is so sad. They start examining her, and they realize that her entire body is not just, you know, obviously covered in blood, but covered in bruises and cuts and just very um, obvious signs of being tortured and raped. Um, They finally were able to have the collar removed. Like, they had to have, like, janitors come in with, like, bolt cutters or something to, like, cut it off of her. And as soon as they took it off, she just kind of, like, threw it across the room 
She was so disgusted by it that she didn't even want it anywhere near her. And I don't blame her. Could you imagine the relief that she must have felt to finally get it off of her? I'm sure it was probably like causing her physical pain too. I'm sure it probably wasn't like that comfortable having this big metal thing just, you know, clamped on your neck. But also just knowing that like that mental feeling of being captive and then finally getting that thing taken off and realizing that you're finally free, you know? So while the doctors are checking her out, and treating her. Guess who walks into the hospital? Cindy. Im- immediately, Cynthia starts like panicking. She's thinking that she's there to take her. Uh, and she starts screaming. That's her. She's here to take me. Cindy brushes it off. And she just says, you should check her um, for drugs She's an addict. So now state police start questioning Cynthia and she tells them everything. So she admits that she was on drugs. She admits about prostituting. Um, She says on March 20th, she was, you know, working. And she remembers um, that whatever, one of the people that she knew had came up to her and had said, you know, oh, the the guy that is, you know, over here in this, like, trailer park or whatever, he's interested in your services. So she goes over there and, um, you know, he finally, he's able to talk with her and he gets her in the car and he starts driving away. And so as he's driving, that's when he says, like, I'm a police officer and you're under arrest for, you know, prostitution or whatever. And then like, so they're in like, um, oh, what do you call it? Like a, they're in a motorhome, And so from the back appears Cindy Hindi and she tries to like handcuff Cynthia she handcuffs, oh, well, they, she, like, you know, Cynthia's, like, putting up a fight. So he winds up having to, like, pull over, and they both together subdue her, and they get her handcuffed to, like, a pipe. But Cynthia's not done fighting. So she starts, like, you know, wiggling this pipe that she's um, handcuffed to, and she's able to, like, loosen the bolts and slip out of it. But in doing so, now she's just kind of like loose in the back of the motorhome. And when he stopped at like a red light or a stop sign or something, she wound up like falling around. Oh, excuse me. And the thumping of her falling brought attention to her. And then, you know, they were, I think she, um, they said that Cindy wound up using like a cattle prod um, on Cynthia to get her to like comply. And that's basically like, um, oh, what do you call that? Where like it's shot. Oh, like a taser. It's like a taser, but like on like a long stick and they use it to like gather up the cattle and stuff. But in this case it was used on a human being. 
So that's, you know, that's great. Just terrific. So now they drive 150 miles back to David and Cindy's house. When they get there, they pull up like right up to the door. They scoot her in the house really fast. They bring her into the living room where that bed is. And they put her on that bed. They get her chained, gagged, and blindfolded. Um, so when they do this, she hears like a like a tape start playing. Now, this tape I'm sure is probably just as famous as the toy box. And we're gonna get to both of those, but not in this episode. I'm sorry. Um, because to really understand David and everything that has gone on and all of what he has done and just the way oh excuse me the way his mind works I think that you guys need to hear the tape so now there are some pieces of the tape that you can find probably on YouTube or through a Google search um, but if you, I mean, if you want to do, you could, you could always just find it somewhere else, but I myself want to be able to share it with you. Now I've listened to a, an, an extended amount of this tape. It is very long and I don't plan on covering the entire thing, but I do want to share a few key points with you guys um, enough so that I feel like you can really understand just the evilness that was behind this man. And um, so we're going to cover that in the next episode. And, um, and then you'll, you know, I mean, just a warning. It is going to be very graphic. So definitely like just just know that. And, um, but like I said, it's, it's going to give you a better understanding of the person that he was and the types of things that he did. Now, I just want to make a little side note because there was a point in his life that I think he realized that what was going on was wrong um because when viagra first came out um he had actually contacted the company and he had asked the company if this pill would help him to get an erection and like to be satisfied without having to hurt somebody in order to do it. So that's another thing that I want you to like keep in mind next week when you hear this tape because this is this is why I say a lot of times these kinds of people are created through different things that happen in their life because if 
he was have given to be given help at that point where he was actually looking for help, would he still be what he winds up becoming? You know? Anyway, guys, so that's the end of this episode. Like I said, next week we're going to cover the tapes and we're probably going to, I'm going to probably give you my opinion on it. I want to know what you guys have thought so far. So please head over to the Facebook and leave me some comments. Let me know what you think and let me know. Um, oh, yes. Also, when we're done with this, um, then I'm also recording an episode with my two friends. They're going to be our special guest for, you know, it's going to be in a few weeks. So we're going to do a really good case and then after that, I think I have I have a few other people in mind that I want to do. Um, but if there's someone that you guys want me to cover, let me know. Because I'm always open for ideas. And I want to know what you guys want to hear from me. So also do that too. If you have a chance, go over to Facebook. Leave a comment on the Facebook. Let me know, um, you know what you guys thought of this episode what you're looking forward to, and what other people you want to hear about in the future. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. Bye.